Hi everyone, Matt here. Um, before we start this episode, I'd just like to apologise for the audio issues. Uh, my audio didn't record correctly, so what you can hear is what was being recorded through Ray's microphone. Um, although I've managed to get it to a reasonable state by getting rid of a lot of the reverb, uh, it still doesn't sound as great as it would do usually. Um, hopefully it won't distract you too much and you'll still be able to enjoy this episode. Hi everyone, and it's time for episode 38 of The Offline Gamer. I'm Matt. And I'm Ray. Hello, Ray. Hello. It's been a bit of a while. Bit of a while. It's been yeah. A bit of time since we did the last episode. Yeah. We've just been busy, haven't we? Yeah, super busy, and then ill, and then busy. Yeah. I'm still a bit croaky. A little bit, but not as bad as two weeks ago. We're recording this on Easter Monday, so... We, we, you're full of chocolates? I am. No, I'm trying to be good. I do have an Easter egg. I haven't cracked the Easter egg itself open, but it came with lots of tiny little lint chocolates. So I had a couple of the tiny lint chocolates. And uh, I'll be going to a supermarket probably tomorrow to empty out the now half price chocolate ah, yes. because it's not Easter anymore. And when you say half price, you mean. The normal price of chocolate. Yeah, pretty much. You may hear random noises in the background during this episode because we have the window open because it's quite toasty. Uh, your other half is in the garden doing gardeny things. Yep. Making very strange noises. Yep. And um, we may have occasional bees and flies and cats. And children screaming. Oh, yeah. They seem to have gone indoors or gone out somewhere, thankfully. I was sitting in the conservatory yesterday just trying to watch TV mm. and there was a guy a couple of houses along who was uh, just playing football in his back garden. And this is, we're talking 30, 35-year-old bloke just mm. kicking a ball against a wall and every 30 seconds or, or so I'd hear him go, it's the eye of the tiger. <laughs> like, okay, mate, if you want to just sit in your back garden kicking a ball and singing eye of the tiger, then... He's, he's living his best life, he Matt. Is. Um, let's catch up with what we've been doing in the last few weeks then. We've had yeah. some events we've gone to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to the photography show at the NEC. Yes, we that did. That was interesting. Yes. We were looking at lots of fancy new equipment. Yes. Which no, was all very expensive. It was all very expensive, so we didn't buy mm. anything. I got my, my DSLR cleaned, though. Got the sensor cleaned because it's never been done in the... I think I bought... Do you know, I think I bought that camera either just before... No, it was just after... No, it was just before I left PC World because I still had my staff discount on it because I wanted to use it before I... Mm. So, yeah, I've had that uh, camera since 2011. But for now, I only really use the DSLR for um, uh, events, motor racing. Yeah. My phone camera is enough for everything else. So. Yeah, that's pretty much how I do it nowadays. Yeah. Because most of the time, it's a lot easier and I've always got my phone. Exactly. And I'll almost always forget to take a camera. I got a gorilla pod at the photography show, nice. and I keep forgetting to take it out with me. So I might just have to like leave it in the car. But then even then, we've already we've already got a tripod in the car. It's a massive tripod though, and that always forgets to get taken out. But I I will have to start remembering to take the gorilla pod out. 
It's only a little dinky one, but just for my phone so I can get some added extension on my arm or something. Uh, and then the weekend after that, I think, it was Comic-Con. I think so, yeah. No, I, I went on the Sunday, you went on the Saturday. Saturday yeah. So I was in Birmingham on the Saturday going to some comedy gigs. <laughs> yeah. So, um, was it busy on the Saturday? It was quite busy, in the same way that anything at the NEC is busy, because there are never enough seats for anyone to sit and eat food. Yes. Which is not a surprise to anybody, because it never, they never seem to plan this stuff. It was quite busy in some parts. Cat being insane. We didn't really go around like the... Well, we did go around the whole thing. It was particularly busy on the stage where they had like the live talking people because we happened to walk past at the same time that the um, dude who was in Merlin and Game of Thrones and Umbrella Academy was on stage. So there were lots of people ogling him. And, yeah, I think the comic village was the best part. All of the, like, trade area, I think they called it, was just kind of naff. There was a lot of blind boxes, lucky dip bags. Oh, that seems to be a, a massive thing now. Yeah, and um, I went with Chris, and Chris pointed out that technically... Is it illegal because it's gambling and they're selling it to under-18s? And yeah. there's also no signage saying only over-18s or because of the... Well, there's, an, there's an EU rule that's going to be banning loot crates in digital games because of the gambling element of it. And even in some games, at least... Um, I know in Path of Exile, for example, they actually tell you the percentage chance of you what you can get, and some games don't even do that. So that's, I mean, it's all gambling, really. Um, yeah. Well, it's the same. It's funny, I mean, trading cards are a form of gambling as well. Yeah, like opening the boost packs. Yeah. Um, but the, some of the things at the Comic-Con I just didn't get, there was like a t-shirt lucky dip but it didn't show you any of the t-shirts that you could potentially get it was literally just like you know those cheap sports bags that you used to get from like jjb yeah, when you yeah. bought a pair of trainers it was just bags like that oh, those drawstring things. Yeah, yeah filled filled with some t-shirts in different colors to denote what size was inside of the bag and that was it. And I was like, oh, you can get three T-shirts for 20 quid. I'm like, yeah, but what are on the it's T-shirts? It's just the stuff that can't announce that. Yeah. And, but there wasn't even anything. Like, when, so, uh, is it QWERTY? QWERTY occasions do, like, their lucky yeah. dip thing. You pay, like, five quid and you get one of, I don't know, 20 different designs. But they show you the designs and say, these are the 20 designs that we're selling our remaining stock of this this is what you could get whereas this store was literally just a big ball pool full of t-shirts and it didn't show you any of what they could be i was like there were just people queuing up for it i'm like but why you don't even know what's in there or what could be in there it was just sort of a thought well 
it did kind of make the whole thing a bit dull because there was just so much of it. There was so many spin the wheel, lucky dip, blind boxes. There were people reselling geek boxes and it's like, well, why? But they didn't have anything to tell you like which month they were from. Oh, okay. So it was just a box. It was just... It was just a box. It could be any geek box from the entire time that geek boxes existed. And I'm like, that's a that's a wide range of stuff that could potentially be entirely shit. And yeah, that was the major down point of the Comic Con. Yeah. It just it was just so very samey and boring and, you know, just silly. There were some gangway times there though. This is a couple yeah. I recognised from UKG. Yeah, I think Magic Madhouse were there. Oh, they were always there, yeah. Um, there are a few others. Chaos Cards? Chaos yeah. Cards might have been there. Um, I know Chris bought a few booster packs of Magic, um, of course. I got a couple of T-shirts from places that I could actually see what the T-shirt was before I bought it. And, oh, we got a piece of art, which is currently up in the kitchen. Um from somebody in the Comic Village. So the Comic Village was the best. The Comic Village was the best bit. Uh, and as I was wandering around to the Comic Village on the Sunday, I saw quite a few things that caught my eye, but one of them was this comic called Paradox Girl, which I ended up buying a couple of issues of. The world's most irresponsible time-travelling superhero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as I was talking to the guy running the store, um, he showed me the board game. And we had a nice chat, and uh, he gave me a copy for us to have a look at, which we have done an unboxing video of, yep. which went online a couple of days ago. So, um, yeah, if you're interested in... If you ever come across Paradox Girl, she, the comics were on Kickstarter a couple of years ago, and uh, there's a few of them there. And apparently, they're really, I'm looking on the website, they're releasing the first few comics in it all like paperback as well. Oh, okay. So I might just buy that, because I've only bought the first two. So I can't decide whether I want to buy all the comics and have the comics separately or just buy the the book of them all mm. together. So I'll hopefully get a chance to play that before the next episode and uh, let people know our thoughts of it. For now, if you want to have a quick look at that, just go to our website and the videos on there. What else have we been up to? Uh, it was Wi-Fi Wars this week. Yep. Or last week, rather. Yes. On Thursday. At the Mac in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Wi-Fi Wars before, but in case uh, and no one uh, has heard that those episodes, um, it is a live interactive comedy game show hosted by Steve McNeil, one of the creators and uh, team captains on Dora O'Brien's Go 8-Bit on Dave, which unfortunately has now been cancelled. Ooh. Yeah. But we did go see it recorded live a couple of years ago. Yes. Cool. And... Um, where, where did you come in the... Uh, I think there was, about, what, 150 people playing? Yeah, I think it was like 155 or something. Uh, I was 25th overall. That's good. Mm-hmm. I was 9th. Yep. Got my face on this big screen at the end. Yep. Got to say hello to Steve because uh, I follow him on Twitch and uh, support him on Patreon. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. Good to have a chat with him. And, uh, yeah... Um, we took Chris to that for the first time. Um, mm. After the first half, he didn't seem that enthused. But I don't know, the second half seemed to... Uh, he found, well, he seemed a bit more cheerful at the end of the second half. Yeah. 
mean, he's just not really a retro gamer and was getting annoyed with some of the uh, uh, controls on some of the games because yeah. they didn't make sense to him. They did have a lot of new games, though, which was good. Mm. They had a lot of, they had like a quick fire section, didn't they, at the end of the yeah. first half, which was like Defender, Galaxian. Mm. Uh, I can't think what else there was now. Oh, um. Tetris, we had. Commando. Commando, yeah, he did well on Commando. He came first in Commando. Yeah, I did atrociously at that. Um. Oh. Lots and lots yeah. of retro 80s arcade goodness. Yeah, and we played. Lair, it's not Lair of the Dragon, is it? Dragon's Lair. Yeah. Yeah. Played Dragon's Lair on random. Which made it more difficult. Yeah, we didn't do as well as last time. Last time we got further than anyone had ever gotten before, didn't we? Yeah. Dragon's Lair is a fun game, though. But like I said before, the whole purpose of the game is just to memorise everything so that they would keep getting pound coins off you. Yeah. That's basically it. Mind you, a lot of arcade games in the 80s were like that, weren't they? Yeah. Much. They just make them really hard, so that the only way you can complete the game is to just pile lots and lots and lots of money mm. to get extra money. Uh, what have we got on the convention front? UK Games Expo is fast approaching. Mm-hmm. We are officially going to be there as press again this year. Yes. Uh, looking forward to that. We've got new t-shirts. Oh, we've got new t-shirts. Well, you've got a new t-shirt, I've got a new polo shirt. Yeah. They've got our logo and our name and we've our got, Twitter on there as We've well. got new tops. New tops. There you go. The press preview on the Thursday evening again starts an hour earlier, I think, and it is a lot bigger, or looks a bit. So, I think the the press preview is great, but there's no way you're going to get around everything in that. No. I suppose it's just a case of for us just have a look around and then make a note of the things we actually want to see more of. Yeah, because last year we had a list of things we wanted to see at the press preview, and then we didn't even get around all of them because it was... Just rammed. Yeah, it was quite cramped. Not, I think, not everybody showed up in terms of the exhibitors. And then yet talking to one person, and then half an hour's gone, and you're only in there for like two hours, yeah, and you I got think it's three hours this year. Yeah, you got like ten things you wanted to see, and you only get round about four. Uh, we're anxiously awaiting the map reveal. Mm-hmm. They teased it on Twitter, but they said they were going to release it sometime over Easter. So you would think at some point before the end of today, but maybe they mean the Easter holiday. Maybe, so yeah. So by the end of this week. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Let's see if they do a version with the trader names on them again. If not, then that'll be uh, me doing that in Adobe Acrobat. Yeah. And uh, getting that on our website for people to download. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people found, have found it very useful for the last couple of years. Yeah. I think it got over a thousand downloads last year, which was just insane. Mm-hmm. And then the last bit of uh, news and chatter we have this month before we start talking games is, um, I can't remember where I saw this, I think it was on the Board Game Trading and Chat Facebook group. Someone mentioned that there was a store in Birmingham that sold only uh, Kickstarter games, Mm. and it is Psychic Games, which is inside of the um, Grange Live Gaming which, if you know Birmingham, is, is I think it's on Holloway Head. Yeah, do you know where Quick Fit and that are? Um, you know where that school is on the corner, on Holloway Head? That massive school? Not no? a clue. Okay. Well, it's down there somewhere. And, uh, yeah, they basically sell Kickstarter games, and then uh, once they've gone, they've gone. 
I'm assuming they're not they're not gauging the market. I'm assuming mm. they are uh, or gauging the customers. Yeah. For you know ridiculously expensive prices, I assume they just buy them as part of the. Yeah. Uh, some of the projects have like retained the pledges, don't. Mm. So maybe they do that and then they sell them. But obviously, we haven't been in there yet. So I'm, I'm, one of these days, I'll have to go along and have a look and compare the prices that they're charging with what the prices yeah. were the campaigns originally and see if they're, you know, charging ridiculous, like, markup level. Which, I mean, they, they could do because there's limited stock of these things, but they presumably won't get uh, many repeat customers if they're mm. charging over the odds because if they're doing that, why why not just back the Kickstarter yourself? But they are also taking some of the risk, I suppose. Although in three, three and a bit years of backing Kickstarters, I've only got one project that has never turned up. So. Yeah, I think I've had two, but neither of them were games. So yeah, but uh, yeah, just Google uh, Sidekick Games and you'll find them on the GrangeLiveGaming.com website. So let's talk about what we've been playing since last month. Um, we went to the Dudley Bug Ball. Yep. Which was not what I expected. No, it was a bit of a strange beast. It was. Yeah. I was expecting lots of open play areas, and there was lots of like mini exhibitor tables and yeah. that was about it but some of the, most of the tables weren't occupied so we camped on one yeah, yeah at one point and played uh, what did we play we played Fire of Eidolon yeah so it was the first time you've ever played that and yeah you know how many times I've spoken about how much I enjoy it mm-hmm. so what did you think of Fire of Eidolon I thought it was quite fun it did remind me of like the um, Forbidden series of games but it was good because it's you don't just sort of go ah, throw some tiles around. You have to actually think about it mm-hmm. and discuss it amongst yourselves. It's it's interesting with two players because with three, because there's three different colours of artifacts. You've got the red, the blue, and the green. Yeah. So if you're playing with more than three players, you can have you can try and get one character who's better at picking up each of those three colours. So it only costs them one action to do so. Yeah. But with two players. You've only got one. You you can try and do it so you've got one person who's good at one colour and one person who's good at another. But then the other colour, you're both going to be average at. Yeah. So it makes the game a little bit more complicated mm. if you've got less players. Yeah. Um, but we only played on the standard difficulty mode anyway. Yeah. And we won. Yeah. I don't think I've ever played a game five wide line on normal that I haven't won. Actually, I might have to um, bump it up the next time I play. Yeah. Uh, but there's also secret passages you can get as well, which I've never played with. Yep. Which I would think make the game easier. That's why I've never played with them. But it's just mm. two tiles that, when you've got them both out, you can just travel between. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I suppose that the easiness of that comes with where where they're located. Because if they're both right next to each other, they're pointless. Yeah. If you've got them located on different halves of the dungeon, then, then yeah, people can get around a lot quicker. Yeah. Be more handy. Good, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Um, did we play anything else while we were sitting on that time? Do we, I think we played the, the 10 minute heist. Oh, 10 minute heist, the Wizard's Tower. Yeah. yeah. Again, I've played that two or three times with people and uh, it's been quite fun. Yeah. I thought it was good. Yeah. It's good trying to uh, collect your sets without giving away what sets you're trying to collect and also trying to stop the other person from collecting the things that you think they're trying to collect yeah. without screwing yourself over by just having random 
crap yeah, yeah, in your hand. You get bonuses for the sets. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad you enjoyed both of them. Yep. So while we were there, we also played a couple of intro RPG sessions, I suppose. Yeah. Um, there was one that was like D&D for newbies, and it was using a special set of rules called something like the, the Black Book or the Black Set or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember what it was, but it, it was a set of rules that somebody's written specifically for noobs. And instead of having to roll high to pass your like skill checks you have to roll low so it's supposedly a bit easier for newbies to get used to like skill checking and stuff we started playing and then a couple of other people joined in who were both very obviously seasoned veterans yeah because they were both doing like voices and speech and we're just sitting there going uh, can we do can we? this? Yeah. And the guy's like, yep. Yeah. I'm like, well, I literally have no idea what I can and can't do. Do you want me to put on a silly voice? I don't <laughs> really know. Um, but we had to, it was a, it was a little, little campaign story where we went through some woods and some people had been ambushed by goblins and they'd had their children stolen so we had to go find the children and they were in some crypt of some dude and we didn't figure out the puzzle to get the super prize at the end but we saved the children so you know that's the important thing yeah obviously uh, that was being run by simon burley who's yep. apparently a big name in the rpg space he yeah. likes his own rpgs so he was showing off some of his uh his space one, wasn't he? I can't remember what it was yeah. called. It had like different characters from different franchises that you could play as. Mm. So there was Blake Seven and Doctor Who and Fireball XL5 that was on there. Yeah, I think there was Firefly as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and then a bit later we played an intro to Pathfinder, which was literally just us and the Game Master Lady, um, who came from Pathfinder Society, which I have since learned is a nationwide sort of thing okay. where people get together and do Pathfinder and they have one that they do in Birmingham every Sunday or at Geek Retreat from about I think it's from something like 2 till 7 on a Sunday afternoon um, and I can't remember. Did we start off as like complete level one characters, or did she let us do level three or four I characters? I know. In a few weeks. Um, but we had to rescue some guy for the local Pathfinder general, whatever they're called. Um, and I had a cat. I was a druid with a big cat friend, and I got to tell my cat to like claw people in the face which was appealing to me um, I did a bit of skating around as well jumping on top of yeah, crates we, we, got, we, we, got, got, we, we went into a warehouse didn't we yeah and we got the cat to jump on some crates to see if he could see what was going up on some sort of mezzanine floor um, and see if it could see if it could spot what sort of baddies were around and there was uh some sort of super baddie which is apparently really really bad um and we killed it somehow um 
through the the power of our magical skill. I can't remember what it was. We had some bugbears that we killed and this other thing, which I can't remember. Was it called an Eternal or something like that? I don't know. Oh, yes. Or a, yeah, similar. or an abomination similar. or something. Yeah. Something that comes from another dimension that's really, really bad. Um, and we killed it and it died and it accidentally cut its dead corpse in half by closing its portal on itself. Um, yep. Yeah, and we rescued the guy and we got back and ta-da. So both fairly successful experiences for, um, RPG, pen and paper RPGs. Yeah. Um, are all of your Dungeons & Dragons sessions this successful? Uh, yeah, we haven't died yet. No one's died yet, I don't think. Have you levelled up yet? Yes, we're, I'm level three now. Ooh. Um, the, he's put, Mike, our DM, has put all these uh, lovely uh, milestones in, so when we pass them, then we all level up. Awesome. So I've now got the ability to sculpt a spell, so if I cast an AoE spell, then if there's a friendly uh, character in the, in the AoE, then I can sculpt it so it doesn't affect them. That that would be good. Um, I remember one of your first outings. You just firebombed the entire party uh, yes, well, by that was, mistake. That, that was because of the that was because of the gas. Oh, okay. So I I did a fire spell while I was stabbing in gas, so this wouldn't have helped. That okay, fair enough. Because the gas, it was the gas that exploded. Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to get a D&D group to start. Um, trying to organise people is, as always, fun and hilarious. I'll tell you something I didn't realise until I started playing some of these games was the way the combat works. I didn't realise that D&D combat was based on minis. Mm. And moving them around and stuff like that, like we did at the book ball and like I do in my D&D sessions, and that you have like the big piece of paper with the squares on, yeah, you draw your own thing, or like we did at the book ball, she had a like a map of a warehouse with all the crates and that inside yeah. it that we could move around. I always thought it was always just described and, and done. I didn't realise you actually had to move and, and do things like that, mm. and um, so that was actually quite a pleasant surprise. So there's actually a bit more tabletop. This yeah to D and D than I thought there was. And I didn't realise that Pathfinder was an offspring of D and D either. Neither did I. Yeah, it's um, based on third edition. But I suppose Pathfinder it's it's, it's more than just the rules, isn't it? Because it's the whole uh, world. Yeah. Built, you know, which is different to D and D. So that mechanically they're similar. To the, you know, yeah. Yeah. is different. Yeah, I was tempted to go to one of the like Pathfinder Society noob afternoons in Birmingham. Yeah. It's just it's Sunday afternoon. I don't want to be doing things on a Sunday afternoon. At least not till seven PM. <laughs> I want to be like chilling out. Maybe maybe go for a walk, I don't know. Don't want to be in Birmingham City Centre until seven o'clock on a Sunday evening. Yeah. Especially because it's just like, uh, then I have to get home again and it takes ages. And the city centre is a nightmare at the moment. And buses and trains on a Sunday are not brilliant in the first place. But never mind. We've had some board game nights at work. Well, we've had a board game night at work since yep. the last, last episode. Um, I played a couple of games there that I bought uh, along. Uh, the first both ones that I've played before, but interesting 
to play with different groups. Um, Salem, which is the one where there are witches in the um, town of Salem. Yeah. And the townsfolk have to try and identify who the witches are. Yeah. That game didn't last very long. Um, there's a lot of random chance in that game, and you like play accusations on other players, and then when someone's got a certain number in front of them, you can reveal one of their cards. Mm. And it just so happens that uh, the card of the witch was revealed quite early. Oh, just okay. Because you've got five in front of you, and they've got a one in five chance of getting it, and they yeah. just happen to pick the only witch in the entire game, like literally after 15 minutes or so. Oh, okay. So the game didn't last very long. But it's one of those games that, because I don't play very often, it's always difficult for me to explain it. Uh, to a group when we're playing it, yeah, and then we have to spend the good the first five minutes just figuring out the rules, you know. Mm. Um, and I actually stepped out because I was originally going to play, but then someone else came along, so I I stepped out, and it was uh, our colleague Tim from work who's probably listening to this. So hello, Tim. Uh, and he, so I stood out and became like the moderator because it's like an ultimate werewolf, sort of yeah, thing, where you have to close your eyes. So it's easier to do that if you've got a moderator. And then I had a script that I could read from, and yeah, say, okay, if you're a witch, open your eyes, point at the player, I'll do something because it then that helps disguise things from the other players as well, yeah. Because if you're a witch and you've got to do it yourself, then other people might hear you moving around, stuff. yeah. So that was good. Uh, and the other game I played, uh, which lasted absolutely ages was Scoville, mm-hmm. which we've played yep. as a two-player game. I'll tell you what, as a five-player game, oh, mm-hmm. it drags. It really drags. Mm. I wouldn't recommend playing it with more than three or four, I don't think. Yeah. I think we played for two hours and we didn't even finish the game. We just had to call it because some people had to go and catch a train. So we just said, no, yeah. let's just end it then. Let's just talk with the points at this this stage. Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was good fun. And Tim bought a copy. He, oh, played, okay. he played as well as that. He played um, uh, Unstable Unicorns, mm-hmm. and he bought a copy of that as well. Oh, okay. This from the man who said at the start of the evening, "I'm not really a big board gamer." Yeah. But he went away with two board, board points. Well, board see, games. that's what we said three years ago it and was. a bit, <laughs> and now we've got a podcast and go and do press stuff and yeah. have varying levels of shame piles and shelves and. Boxes galore. Yeah. One of our D&D nights at work got abandoned mm-hmm. because no one was turning up. So luckily I had some games in the car. So I played Last One Standing, which is the Battle Royale game. Mm-hmm. And it was good. Good. Uh, we got the rules slightly wrong at one point, but we soon picked up just because of the order in which things happen in the game. Um, there's a track. Uh, the, the game lasts over 10 rounds and each round has a series of phases. But then on some rounds, um, part of the island explodes, so it goes away. Yeah. And makes the map smaller. And in some rounds, there's like a loot drop. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure, based on the iconography on the track, when these things were going to happen. Yeah. And because I wasn't sure when you chose which parts of the island were going to explode. But having reread the manual, it does make sense. It was just me being an idiot. So I just didn't read it right. Fair enough. But it was good. We played with three of us. And again, I also played it yesterday with my nephew when it was just the two of us playing. The box says two to eight players, but the card inside that designates how many rounds there have been has one side that says three to five and one that says six to eight. Oh, okay. So we used the three to five one Mm. because I figure that's the one we should use, but it didn't say in the book anything different that I could see. So I'll have to check up on that. Tactically, it was a lot better with 
three players than it was with two. Yeah. In fact, I wonder if with two players you're supposed to play two characters each. Maybe. Maybe you are. Because the, the thing is with just two of you, you're just trying just to manoeuvre into position. Shoot, shoot the other one. But yeah, that's, you know, but obviously getting shot first. Yeah. But my nephew really wasn't paying attention to what was going on, so literally after five minutes I shot him. Mm. He just went and picked up some loot, I manoeuvred into a position, mm. and then he, when it was his turn, didn't shoot me, he moved closer to me. Oh, okay. So then on my turn I just shot him. And then I shot him again, and then I won. Need, needs some training there. Needs to get training. Obviously Fortnite doesn't teach you <laughs> no. very much. <laughs> he wasn't that keen on that, but we played Fire of Eidolon as well, which he was. He liked, he liked a lot. Yeah, good. He liked the retro art style of it as well, so... At what what age is um, Battle Wizards appropriate for, for, yeah? Oh, I see what you mean. Epic Spell Wars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does have a very juvenile sense of humour. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's there's a spell involving testes. Yeah. Um, well, he's 14, so I think he's not far off the, the right age. Okay. Um, let's talk about digital games. Digital. Yes. I've... Started working through my Telltale Games pile of shame. Mm. Seeing as Telltale Games are no longer with us, I thought I might as well finish most of their games off. So I finished Game of Thrones. Okay. Man, that's depressing. More depressing than the show? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, because, I mean, well, we don't know what's going to happen in the rest of season eight. I mean, I'm guessing some very important people are going to die. Yeah. But basically, this the, the, the ending is just everything is wrong. People die. I won't. Give any major spoilers, but I mean, you probably guess what's going to happen anyway. But obviously, some of the decisions you make earlier on in the game determine who dies and who doesn't. But so, I suppose it's not exactly following the books if you can make decisions that uh, well, kill no, people because the characters in the game are new characters. Oh, okay. It's all centered around this new uh, house called House Forester. Oh, okay. Who in the I think they, they might be briefly mentioned in one of the books just to make it canon, but mm. they're basically the people who make uh, Iron Wolf, which is uh, Ironwood, which is this, like, this really tough wood. Yeah. That a lot of the places used to build their castles and weapons and things like that. So. But yeah, so I finished that. Mm-hmm. And I also finished season three of The Walking Dead. Okay. And I'm now starting season four. I've got a Telltale Games pile of shame as well. Have you? In amongst my generic pile people. of shame. Yeah. Um, I think I've. Start. I started uh, The Wolf Among Us. I've got season one of the thingy, what's it, Walking Dead. And I've got Tales from the Borderlands. I also have the first season of Life is Strange, which I also haven't played. Yeah, that's not Telltale, but it's very similar. Yes. And I so, actually need to play... There's a, there's, a, there's a season two and there's another one. Yeah. Um... I've got a, a yeah, so I've got a few episodic games mm. where I've I've bought them in sales long, long after they've released all the episodes, um, and I just haven't got through them. And I've also got I've got pray pray for the gods, which was a Kickstarter, which I still haven't done my uh, can't really do an unboxing video for a, for a digital game. No, um, but I was going to do a little video, to sort of say this is the game. Here is the title page. Here's some information. Let's try and play it. Um, and then maybe attempt to play it on stream. 
because we've got a new we've got a new internet provider here, Matthew. Yay! Yay! And we actually have an upload speed, Woo-hoo. which I think it can it it can get up to nineteen Mbps up. Um, and I think Chris has tested it and got about ten, which is you know already about a thousand times better than what Virgin Media were giving us. Uh, talking of streaming, yep. because you mentioned it briefly, so that's my segue. I've been streaming a bit. Um, I've streamed a bit of Baba Is You, which I've talked about is the puzzle game where you have to move the words around to yep. do things. And occasionally I got stuck and said to you, right, watch my stream and help me fix this puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> which you... And then by the time I've got there, you've gone, oh, I've fixed it. Yeah. I've done it now. Done it, yeah, I'm out. So I did that, and then I also streamed uh, a game which you we played at EGX. Was this at Res? It was like three, two or three years ago we played. No, it was regular. It was regular EGX because it was still in Birmingham. But it was in. It was field, the twenty. So was it twenty sixteen? Yeah, I think it was twenty sixteen because I think I'm pretty sure it was the year where we went to EGX just before. Um, me and Chris got married. Oh, I did go to that one then. Yeah. We were having this debate. When yeah. We saw your brother at the photography show whether I went to that one because I don't remember meeting him, but I must have done then. If he yeah. Was, if he was at that one because yeah. we played this. Yeah. My memory's atrocious. Yeah. You've also met, I'm pretty sure you've also met Chris's brother and sister I, at I, a different I, one. I remember that. Because I, I got a photo of that on my Facebook, it popped up and reminded me about it, and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So you've met Chris's brother and sister at one of them and then my brother at the one in 2016 okay. um <clears throat> uh yeah so it's a fun little platformer um where you have a giraffe in your backpack who when you're you can glide because his head spins around like a propeller yeah or he with his big long tongue yeah or he is uh, a propeller when you're underwater yeah and your pet rock who you can send away to bash enemies, and then occasionally, when you get to a certain level, he'll wander off and fetch treasures for you. Oh, I haven't nice. got to that level yet. You never, you never completed it. No, um, I think I, I started playing it when um, my previous internet service provider was being terrible, ah. and I couldn't get online. Um, and then, yeah. Because if I can't get online, then I can't do stuff uh, downstairs like streaming or watching shows or films or whatever. So then I'll usually go upstairs because I don't really go on my computer very much anymore. I think it's because I get home and I'm just like, mm, mm, can I really be asked to sit on the computer for more time as it happens mostly? No, I can't. I think just because... Uh, after a while, my back starts hurting at work, and then you get home, and it's like I don't want to sit in front of a computer for more time. Lounge on the sofa. Yeah, um, and of course now it's getting sunny, there'll probably be even less time to play about with computers because I want to go outside and enjoy the weather while it lasts. Uh, but yeah, I haven't been playing much, uh, listeners. As you may be able to tell, I think I downloaded some stupid mobile games and got very bored of them very quickly, which is my usual thing. 
So let's wander on over to our usual position and sit on a beanbag, Ian. Kickstarter corner. Don't know why I said beanbag. Yeah. We haven't got any beanbags here, but if there was a Kickstarter corner, then I would imagine there would be a beanbag in it. At least, at least two beanbags. Yeah. So first up in Kickstarter corner, our relatively new segment. Let's find what political satire games we can see on Kickstarter this month. Yay! And well, I found one game and two sets of cards. Lovely. So, shall we look at the cards first? Okay. First up we have the Drain the Swamp trading cards. Mm, is this American political satire? Yes, it is. How would you guess? I mean, we don't have that many swamps in the UK. True. Is this Drain the Swamp and see what politicians crawl out or what voters crawl out? No, I don't know. So, as of recording, there are 20 days left on this project. Mm. It has a uh, goal of 30,000 US dollars. It's quite a lot for a trading card game. Yeah, it currently has pledged $26. Okay. Is that one backer? It is one backer, it appears to be. Uh, no, two backers. Gosh. Gosh. Limited edition collector trading cards called Drain the Swamp. Designed to illustrate how politicians in both parties waste our money. That's what it says. Mm. Mm. I mean, you can probably find that stuff out without a game. And there is no, um, there's no like example cards on the uh, paint. It's just basically a wall of text. Oh, I see. So, uh, yeah. Uh, next up, we have America's Greatest Card Deck. As of recording, this one has three days to go. Ooh. So it's very close to the end. Oh, gosh. Let's see how well-funded it is. Their goal is 750000 What? It looks like Mexican dollars. Is that a thing? MX dollars, it says. Oh, maybe. MXN is Mexican <coughs> peso. It's pesos, then. So 750000 pesos. Okay. Well, I don't know why they use the dollar sign. But according to Wikipedia, they do. So... And one uh, Mexican peso is 0 0.04 pounds, so four pence. So 750,000 divided by four would be around 280,000, something like that. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so $180,000 pounds. Mm. They have, uh, how many backers do you think they've got? They've got three days to go. Um, five? Three backers. Three, okay. Uh, 29 pound pledged. Awesome. Oh, I mean, it. Uh, my calculations are way off because Kickstarter has done a. It's not divided by four, is it? It's divided it's by, by more than that. Yeah, not four, not point not four. So luckily, Kickstarter is telling me it's thirty thousand pound. Okay. So they they've not quite got there. So they've got twenty nine pound for thirty thousand. Fair enough. And last up, we have a bit of uh, British satire. The best kind of satire. Absolutely. <laughs> Brexit, the real deal. A game of bluffing, making trade deals, sabotaging other deals, rejoining the EU, reforming the Viking states, and making Cornwall great again. Obviously. It's a game about bluffing strategy and blocking deals. This had a goal of £5,000. It has 326 backers and has made £5,299. That's kind of disturbing. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look horrendous. The campaign is pretty good. It's got, like, how to play and video, a few videos and things like that. I guess the thing that gets me with these, these satire games is 
They're only relevant for a short period of time. Yeah. Like, in two years, is anyone going to want to play the Brexit game? No. Mm. No. The, the, the theming of them is just too... Niche. Yeah, that's the word I think I'm looking for. Yeah. Very short-lived. Mm. It's like a tiny snapshot in time. It's like all those ones that were doing the rounds a couple of years ago, the Clinton v. Trump. Race, ones. yeah. No one's going to play those anymore. Oh, no. I don't know, know what happened. Yeah. So let's talk about what we've been backing. Mm-hmm. I've backed a few things, but it's been, what, nearly <clears throat> two months since the last recording, so there's a couple of months worth of stuff on there, but not many. There's only one, two, three, four things I've backed in the last couple of months. Uh, yeah. I've tried I've... to curtail my spending a little bit. Yeah, I've been fairly um, restrained, I suppose. Yeah. I've only got two. Although I've just, I'm just scrolling through at the moment, I've noticed two campaigns on the theme of uh, cannabis and drug use. Interesting. There you go. There's one Did they launch on the 20th of April by any chance? They may have done because there was also a 420 themed cartoon that I spotted. Mm. There's Dope Man, a game of substance, deal drugs with your friends, and Budzels. Um, artisan weed puzzles, which are artisan wooden laser cut puzzles in, with whimsical pieces in the shape of everything related to cannabis culture. Wow. There you go. So, my first one is Board Game Design Advice Second Edition. It's a book uh, all about designing board games, mm-hmm. which I think is quite interesting. Yeah. And I can't wait to give that a read. And uh, you never know, maybe. We might end up designing our own game at some point. Maybe. I don't know what the theme would be, but there might even be a section in the book about what theme to choose. Who knows? Uh, There'll probably be a section going, there's enough food games, there's enough cat games, and there's enough zombie games. And do something else. games as well. Yeah. Or Cthulhu. Yeah, or pirates. There's quite a lot of pirates out there too. So it's basically lots of tips from different designers as well. Yeah. Uh, so some of the people in this book are Raina Knizia, very famous designer, mm-hmm. uh, Alan Moon, Ticket to Ride, uh, Tim Ferriss, big fan of Tim Ferriss games, Ferris. uh, Sammy Luxo. Oh, Sammy. Good old Sammy from Dawn of, Mer- Dawn of Merchants. That's not right. Dale of Merchants, Dawn of Peacemakers. Yes. I did that the other day. I sent him a DM on Twitter and I said to him, um, oh, here's the link because... I wanted him to have a look at the Dawn of Peacemakers video before it went online. Yeah. I said, here's the DOM video. And that's to say, no, DOP, not DOM. Yeah. And uh, someone else we know, uh, Bez, is uh, going to be in this book. Oh, okay. And I think that's how I found out about this, because I saw that Bez had backed it on Kickstarter. Oh. Uh, so I uh, all tweeted about it, one or the other. So, yeah, it's just basically lots of interviews with these people and hints about designing board games. And it's the second edition. So if you've got the first one... Uh, this has got lots of new interviews with lots of new people. So. Cool. Can't wait to get that. Super duper. And not long after that, I backed uh, Jumble Jam. Yes. I did wonder if it was a typo. What is Jumble Jam? Jumble Jam is a family-themed board game mm-hmm. with cakes. Okay. So it appeals to me. Yeah. And cats. Okay. So it appeals to you. Okay. Is it about jumble sales? No. Okay. 
I feel jumble sales is a very British thing. Yes. I don't think jumble sales translates well to uh, anything else. They're not called jumble sales anymore, though. I still call them jumble sales. Well, I still call them jumble sales, but there's been several, several times over the last few months where, you know, like, jumble sales, you used to have jumble sales in, like, the church hall or something. Yeah, in the face. Yeah. but loads of churches are now calling them tabletop sales, which is highly confusing and also disappointing to me. Yeah. Because I'll drive past and it'll be like, tabletop sale. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, wait, what? It's in a church, huh? And then I go, oh, they mean like a jumble sale. Yeah. Like a bring and buy sale. Like you used to do for Blue Peter and stuff. Or you get like a tombola that's got like, uh, what number have you got? 19. Oh, you've won this bottle of shampoo. Yeah, jum- jumble sales are like brick and brack yeah. type sales, occasionally home bakes that are usually for fundraising of some description. Yeah, for the church usually. Yeah. Like, or a school. Yeah, like schools Schools used to do the bring and buy, the Blue Peter bring and buy sales, sell your cakes for 50p so you can all yeah. get some money to go towards the trip to Bognor Regis or whatever. So what is Jumble Jam about? Oh, now, yes. now that we've now that we've gone completely off track. Yeah. In Jumble Jam, we are at the family bakery, where the manager is an adorable grandma and the employees are her grandchildren. The business has been running smoothly for decades, being passed down from parent to child. Jumble Jam is a competitive game for two to five players, where the winner will be the player that manages to be grandma's favourite. To achieve that, each player will try to get as many orders done as they can to get as many coins as possible. But be careful. If any pastries are wasted on orders, you will get fewer coins in return, and that will prevent you from becoming Grandma's favourite. The player that gathers the most coins from all completed orders will win the game. And then a bit further down it says, Cats, cats distract you so your friends can steal your cakes and pancakes. You can even throw cats to your buddies. Cats are adorable. I agree. wouldn't recommend throwing cats, no. just in general. You're more likely to get your face ripped off. So that's Jungle Jam, and that's by... No, I'm trying to figure out how to say that name. Charlie. Really? T-X-A-R-L-I. It's going to Charlie. Well, T-X in Basque is pronounced Ch. Yeah. Well, they are from Pamplona in Spain. Yeah, so it's Charlie. That is, in the, is that in the Basque area? It's one of the Basque regions. It's in um, Navarra, okay. which is not in the Basque Autonomous region. However, it is considered to be one of the seven Basque regions okay it's it's where they do the running of the bulls ah right okay next up is another game i'm surprised you didn't back wizard kittens a magical card game well as i said i'm trying to be good mm-hmm. have backed something involving cats okay so i'm not disappointing doesn't it look lovely though it does look very cute so It's a semi-co-op set collection game. Play as kittens who have accidentally released a few curses from the library's restricted section. The library is supposed to be a place of quiet and contemplation, with no noise, no playing, no yarn, and definitely no magic. Now you and your friends must defeat the curses fast before you're caught by the librarian, Professor Whisper. Hmm. It actually came with a special glow-in-the-dark box, which I I didn't back at that level, just a standard one. So I didn't really fancy paying more just for the the box, but... uh, and last up um, is one of my ones to watch from the last episode, which is Movie Empire. Now, this actually got 
cancelled and then reworked and relaunched mm-hmm. a few weeks later. So I'm actually in the second thing. Uh, but it has made its funding goal. It's only got a couple of days to go as of recording. But yeah, this is a worker placement game where you are a Hollywood movie producer um, trying to be the best studio you can be. That's movie empire. Super duper. Um, so my two. <clears throat> the first one is Animal Adventures, Tales of Cats and Catacombs. It's not technically a game. It's um, a set of minis that are cat-themed, unsurprisingly. Now, this is by uh, Russ Charles, who is a friend of our friend Gareth. And he did another one previously, which was Doggies, um, which went very well. And he's also, I think he did the sculpts for the Resident Evil game. Um, Gareth knows more about things that involve minis than, than I do, so I may be talking out to my backside. However, there, basically there's a set of uh, 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 13 miniatures, um, as well as an adventure companion PDF, um, so you can play an adventure with your little cat minis, a monk, a wizard, a fighter, a bard, a druid, a sorcerer, a barbarian, a warlock, a rogue, a cleric, a paladin, a ranger, and a necromancer. And I just got them because if I'm trying to do more RPG Dungeons and Dragonsy stuff, I don't really care if it's, you know, an accurate miniature, but if I can have a cat miniature, then fine. And some of the, some of them are based on specific uh, breeds of cats. So there's Abyssinians, Ragdolls, Maine Coons, Norwegian Forests, Persians, Bobtails, Scottish Folds, Bengals. The Necromancer's just not a specific breed, but, you know, never mind. And yeah, it was 27 quid to get all 13, That's which I thought good. was quite good. Yeah, and they're giving you a uh, campaign as well. Yeah. They don't come painted. I'm not sure whether I would ever attempt to paint them. And he's already got 192,633 pounds out of his 20k goal. Wow. With nine days to go as of today. And he's fairly local because he's based in Worcester. Woohoo! So, yeah, I've backed that. They're not due till January next year. So. Hopefully I will have started a D&D campaign before January next year. If not, at least I'll have some cats. And uh, if I don't, then they're just probably going to decorate some shelves because they look awesome. Yeah. And then the next one that I have backed is finishing literally in about an hour's time. So we'll be long gone by the time people hear this. And it's Seb McKinnon's Magic the Gathering Limited Edition Playmats Round 2. And he has raised nearly a million Canadian dollars for his target of 50,000 Canadian dollars. Now, Seb McKinnon is a very highly uh, sought after, I suppose. He's, He's a very popular artist for Magic the Gathering and he does a lot of non-MTG art that's also very cool um, so I've backed to get a couple of prints 
um, which will be limited edition. And Chris has backed his first ever Kickstarter to get a Seb McKinnon playmat. Although, considering some of the art options, I'm not sure how you could pick just one, to be honest. Yeah, I've just had a quick look, and uh, although I'm not a Magic player, obviously some of them I'm pretty... Yeah. Um, So, for example, Seb McKinnon is one of Chris's favourite artists for Magic. He's got a little folder, which is basically um, cards that are just... he just likes the art of, not necessarily that he's ever going to play. And there's the first section is all Seb McKinnon. And the new set, which comes out at the end of this week, War of the Spark, Seb's got a few in there, and he's managed to add them in to the playmats. And some of them look a bit crazy mad. But I'm hopefully going to grab a couple of the prints of his art um, we've got one print that we haven't put in a frame yet. Mm. However, sadly, the shipping was the shipping is forty five Canadian dollars, whereas the pledge level was thirty five Canadian dollars. Oh, so it is one of those, um, which is a mild pain in the arse. However, I just just blame Trump. Yeah, we can blame for everything. Yeah, he he jimmied around with all the import and export levies so everything's crap even though it's coming from canada yeah even though it's coming from canada yeah, it's still his fault still his fault well it, it it sort of messed up everything over here as well because the eu customs charges had to adjust to push the extra costs back down the line um because when i got a print from Seb McKinnon before I had to pay a surprise customs charge when it came into the country and I was like mm, joy um, but hopefully ho- hopefully he can mark it as a gift and then I won't have to pay customs mm. but probably not um, it's also been raising money for a film to do with his kin fables which is not Magic the Gathering so to get a playmat, it was fifty-five Canadian dollars. A print was thirty-five, and then there were some super packs, grand patron packs, which were five thousand dollars, in which you got the original canvas of one of the card arts, and a limited edition print, a playmat of it, an artist proof, and a paint sketch on the back, and credits in the film, and and and. Um, there's still uh, some of those left, so obviously, oh, there was there was one somebody, one person's bought one of the grand patron packages, which was the growth spiral package. How much is that? Five thousand dollars <sighs> of the Canadian. Canadian dollars, yeah. Like ten yeah. Um, well, for some reason, Kickstarter on my iPad is is converting everything into U.S. dollars, so I can tell you how much it is in U.S. dollars. Are you signed in? I am signed in. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure why it's... Uh, I can tell you that 5000 Canadian dollars is 3740 US dollars. Oh. What that is in British pounds sterling, I could not say. That's a um, Too much f- for my tastes, basically. Uh, so yeah, those are the only two things that I've backed. Um, I was looking at a couple of other things, but they're not game-related. Okay. 
Okay, what's arrived? Um, I've had three things arrive, you've had one. Um, yep. We won't talk too much about them because if you want to know more, you can watch our videos, which they'll be coming out over the coming couple of weeks. But uh, I've had Immortality from Nicky Lloyd, mm -hmm. uh, the one where you're uh, trying to work your way through the maze to kill the Minotaur to win Zeus's gift of Immortality. Yep. Uh, Micro Brew from One Three Elephant, the uh, beer brewing game in a small little tin. Yep. A little mint, mint tin size thing. Massive. Um, that I couldn't get to fit in the box, but you managed it on your first attempt. Yep. Well done. Uh, and Call to Adventure, which is the one where you are building your character's legacy before. Yeah. And trying to get the strongest character you can, I suppose, um, before they go on to an adventure. Um, a lot nicer components to that than I was expecting. Mm. With the little runes and things. Yeah. Um, so, yes, can't wait to give that one a try as well. Super. That's, I think that's high on my anticipated playlist. Yeah. Um, I got Dig Dragon, which is an expansion to Dig, funnily enough, with the added uh, the added excitement of uh, dragons' lairs in the in the hills uh, as you dig down. We've never played Dig, have we? No, but now we can play it with dragons. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a little eight bit style game with some fun little meeples, and yeah, we did a nice video of it. Uh, and it's a nice little box from Mangrove Games. So yeah, that was my, my solo arrival. Okay, so now on to ones to watch. Uh, my first one is called Charmed and Dangerous, The Sisters Grim. And this is a cooperative adventure card game that gives one to four players the chance to take on the role of a classic fairy tale princess, reimagined as an RPG-style adventurer. Uh, you and your friends face a different villainess and her amassed forces of evil each time you play. So, some of the princesses include Briar Rose, or Briar Rosa, as she is in this. Dorothy Gale, of uh, Wizard of Oz fame. Snow White, Gretel, and there were a few others that they haven't, I suppose, previewed. And then you've got some a dark fairy villainess, a candy witch villainess, and I think there's a couple more. A candy witch. A candy witch. So I believe that would be the the witch, the old lady witch from um, Hansel and Gretel. And it's only twenty dollars, which will include four princesses and two villainesses, two lairs, two faux decks, forces of evil. And 80 dangerous card dangerous decks, whatever that means. For $30, you can get the premium edition, which has all that stuff, but with holofoil princesses and villains. Villainesses. So yeah, I thought this was kind of fun. Different take on um, fairy tale ladies. And not particularly overexposed cleavage on any of them. So yeah. You get to explore forests, sinister dungeons, labyrinthine castles in your quest to uncover and defeat the villainess and save the realm. Ta-da! So I thought it had some good art as an interesting theme, and it was only $20. Let me just check what variety of dollar it is. Oh, it's um, American, because it's coming from America. And 
it's got 41 days to go to try and get 10,000 US dollars. Um, they're about a quarter of the way there so far. So it's got until the 3rd of June. So just ending UKG, ending on UKG weekend or just after, I believe. Okay. So the Monday after UKG, it will be ended. That's a long campaign then. Yeah. I suppose maybe maybe they did it to try and I was going to say to try and get UKG in into it, but for, as they're from America, I don't know whether that's even part of their thought process. I think it's fairly new onto Kickstarter, as it's only got two comments and one update, so it probably hasn't been up for very long. Uh, but yeah, that's Charmed and Dangerous. Live on Kickstarter by Third World Studios in Gaithersburg. Wherever that is. Uh, wh whichever state is MD. American listeners, please tell us which state is MD. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to think. I can only think of Massachusetts and it's not that. No, it's not Miss... No. Uh... MD state abbreviation. Maryland. Okay. Which apparently isn't pronounced Maryland by the Americans. Maryland. Maryland. Maryland, okay. So all those years I've been calling them Maryland cookies. Yeah, it's Maryland cookies. It's Maryland cookies. Okay, I'm not changing that. No, I'm not. <laughs> We're just British, that's the way we pronounce it. Yeah, it's the word Mary followed by the word land. But Simon Mayo had some letters on his podcast, his movie review one. Oh. American people in Maryland. Oh, okay. Saying it wrong. Well... How many how many English words do Americans say wrong? Exactly. Anyway. Anyway, what's your first one to watch? My first one to watch is Gloom of Thrones, which is gloom, but of Thrones in a parody of Game of Thrones. Ah. So if you're not familiar with Gloom, it's the game where you have these lovely cards which are all uh, like see through and transparent that have various life events on them, and you have a family. Uh, in front of you, and you have to play events on your family to make them as visible as possible before they all die. Yeah. And to try and make the other ones, the other families in front of the other players, happy. As you can expect, all of the names are sort of riffs on the Game of Thrones characters. Yep. So, we have the Snarks. Mm. So we have Sans Serif Snark. Okay. Ariel Snark. <laughs> the, uh, the Bastard. Josh Frost. Hmm. Uh, the head of the family, who's just called Head Snark, and his picture is just a head. Too soon. Yeah. And uh, Gluten Snark. Which one's Gluten Snark? If you look at the picture, it looks like it might be Bran. Oh. You see? Bran? Yeah, okay. We have the Bannisters. Oh dear. We have Seriously Bannister. Mm hmm. Tipsy and Bannister. <laughs> Toffrey Brantsforians. Yep. Because obviously he was a Baratheon, wasn't he? Uh, Shamey Bannister. And uh, Trywin Bannister. Oh dear. We have Kelly's Dragons. Okay. We've got Carl Gogo. Mm hmm. Rural Jorah. Right. Rural Jorah. Have you watched 30 Rock? No. There's this whole ongoing joke about um, this film, one of the characters was in, called Rural Jura. Okay. Because they're all Americans, they all say Rural Jura. So for, <laughs> for like millions of episodes, none of them knew what the name of this film was. 
until they eventually saw it and they were like, oh, the rural roar, jaw roar. Ah. Oh. We've got Lord Varies. Mm-hmm. Dragons. And uh, Kelly C. Kelly C. Yeah. Kelly C. Yeah. And then we've got the Brotherhood Without Pants. Okay. Stink. Mm-hmm. Sulkwell Tubby. Yep. Lil Finger. Berry of Tart. And Dave Onion. So there you go. But uh, I think it looks fun. I like Gloom. Yeah. I like Game of Thrones. Yeah. So this combines those two things together. And it's standalone, so you don't need any other copies of Gloom. So that goes along with Standard Gloom, Fairy Tale Gloom, uh, Cthulhu Gloom, Gloom in Space, and Munchkin Gloom. Those are all the various Gloom versions. Lovely. So that is by, uh, it's, uh, it says it's by Atlas Games from St. Paul MN. So I think that's Minnesota, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, their, their goal was £15,000, which was $20,000, and they've doubled it. They've got $40,000. Super duper. Seven days to go as of recording. So if that sounds like your cup of tea, then uh, yeah, go and back that. Cool. My next one to watch is called Shard Hunters The Card Game, which is a card game with simple and dynamic gameplay, exclusive artwork. Do you love dark fantasy card games but don't have much time? This 20-minute game is for you, um, and it's coming from Douglas in the UK, which is on the Isle of Man, for those listening who have no idea um it's already been funded but it's going until the 10th of may i can't find it it's by peter horniak horniak that's like shard hunters in nothing comes up it's all one word <clears throat> yeah oh that's fine got it only 10 pounds what's the uh the basic storyline behind these shard hunters then? um the basic storyline is um, it, is, it is a magical world. We are hunting for shards of bloodstone, um, or blood shards, sorry, um, to, you know, be the bestest in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are a hero. You recruit other heroes. You then also have, you then also draw monsters and you combat i believe the way the way it's phrased is a bit iffy janky um but i think you draw seven monsters and then you play your monsters and they fight your opponent's heroes in a hunt phase and then you go back to a tavern phase where you hire new heroes and you get bloodstones and you can hire people sorry blood shards and you can hire people uh, with coins and get blood shards with particular people and so on and so on Um, and then the winner of the game is the person who can lead a party of five heroes and win a hunt with those heroes for the first time so it's not just you get five people and you win a hunt you have to win with that specific combo of people the first time you take them out. Okay. Which I think adds an extra layer of 
complicatedness to it. Um, apparently, all actions happen simultaneously, so you don't have to wait for other players. There is no handicap for new players, it's easy to learn, and because seven monster cards will always be out of the game, players can't tell what's in the opponent hand by memorising the cards. There's no stealing. If you have a monster, a hero, or a blood shard, it's yours forever. You can have two active heroes per player at a time, so you don't have to remember a thousand things at once. Uh, you can't drop out. Every, everyone will be in play until somebody wins. And monster cards are completely language independent, which basically means they are uh, mostly pictures. Pictographs. Yeah. yeah. So Euro style, I suppose, is how people refer to that sometimes. So in the box, you have card box, some blood shard tokens, a rule book, 20 hero cards, and 35 monster cards. And you can get all of that for £10. And then the the increased, the higher pledges are basically just multiple copies of the game. So it's £10 for one pack, £20 for two with halved shipping costs. And then you've got a retailer's bundle and a sponsor pack where you can have a unique hero after your portrait. So there you go. There are some add-ons. There's an add-on of the Fallen Ones digital comic book for £3. Um, which is a comic series with 150 pages. And there's some stretch goals, which they've already unlocked a few of, um, because, as I say, they've already hit their target. But yes, so it's Shard Hunters, all one word. £10, which is approximately US dollars Thanks, Kickstarter. Um, and it finishes on the 10th of May 2019. Okay. My next one is Takenoko Giant. Mm. It's back, the giant version of Takenoko. I say giant, I mean, it's not it's not like massive, but it's like a deluxe version of normal Takenoko. Yeah. If you want the giant version of the base game, you're talking $200. Mm-hmm. If you want the giant version of Takenoko Chibis, the expansion with a cute little baby pandas. Mm-hmm. That's $99. Or you can get them both for 289 so you save $10 if you want them both. For a bit more than that, for $319, you can get both of them and giant baby panda sculpts and any stretch goals. But there's some cheaper pledge levels which give you add-ons for the standard version of the game. Mm-hmm. So for $35, which is £26, you get the small panda pledge level, which is what I've backed at, where you get the broken token insert for the game. So replacing the plastic one that's in yep. there with the wooden one there, you, when you can take all the little things out and just use them yeah. in those. So you've got like um, little boxes for the um, bamboo and things like that. And you also got these nice little all those silk bags that come with it. And the irrigation channels... They're sort of like a see-through blue acrylic, so they look a bit more watery than the mm, standard ones. Yeah. So it just upgrades the, the base game a little bit, and uh, Takenaka is one of my uh, favourite games in my collection, so I thought I would back back that. But if you like Takenaka uh, even more than I do, and you want a amazingly, brilliantly detailed deluxe copy of the game with bigger pandas and 
uh, bigger bamboo, larger tiles, you know, everything looking a lot nicer, then uh, go for the deluxe version, but be prepared to pay for it. That's all I'll say. Yeah. So that finishes on the 6th of May, and uh, they've currently got uh, nearly $40,000 of their $19,000 goal. So that's well on the way. Uh, yeah. Super duper. Uh, my next one isn't technically a game. It's more like game accessory. Um, it's called Alter Sleeves. Alter as in alternative. Um, which is by Sleeve Alters LLC. For people who aren't familiar with the term alter, um, an alter is like you have the original card in one of these like TCGs or CCGs and you paint a different piece of art on it so it's an alternative piece of art however what these guys are doing is they are doing that art but then printing it printing it onto perfect fit inner sleeves so you just put your card into the sleeve so you're not damaging the card in any way um, and then you get the nice alter art on the outside of it the campaign ends on 2nd of may Although I think if you go to their website, um, you'll probably be able to sign up to get access to it later than if you were a Kickstarter backer, which is www.altersleeves.com forward slash alters. I think that's have some examples from some artists. Um, if you look at the Kickstarter campaign, all of the examples are Magic the Gathering. However, it does say... Um, they are planning to try and do it for other TCGs. Um, I think Yu-Gi-Oh! was mentioned somewhere. That's apparently also quite a big one. Uh, Pokemon and so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> some of them are a bit silly. Some of them, well, some of them are kind of uh, trying to expand the card art to be like full card art, uh, hiding the text. Some have taken sort of the theme of the card and made it into like a cute chibi art. Some of them have gone completely a different direction with some 8-bit art. So, <clears throat> what is it, 8-bit or 16-bit? Who knows? Bit bit art. Yeah. Pixel, uh, pixel art. It's been hailed by a few um, MTG type celebrity people um, as being a great idea. It does seem like a pretty good idea. Uh, some of the prices, however, seem quite steep. I'm not sure what the shipping will be like. So, for example, if you wanted to just get one sleeve and get second access to the website, which is three weeks before normal backers. Um, it's $8, which also gets you a place in the Wall of Heroes and an exclusive website skin for super haste and haste backers. So it will say, oh, this person backed it really quickly. If you want two sleeves and a place on the Wall of Heroes, you get $16. Um if you want four sleeves plus a choice of 
um, a special set of snap slash bolt sleeves, which I believe is two spells, one of which is lightning bolt. Um, $30. So it does sort of ramp up. So six sleeves is $55. And considering they're just sleeves, I mean, yes, they are, they do have fun alternative art on them. Um, it depends how fancy you want to make your deck look. I suppose. Um, so I think to me, some of the ones that appeal most are some of the um, full, full card art for lands in Magic because they're usually quite pretty. Um, so yeah, that ends on May the second, and that is Altar Sleeves. Okay, my next one is a board game about flowers, and it's called Bloom. Uh, it is finishing on the 30th of April, and uh, it's well funded. They've got $23,000 of their $4,000 goal, and it's a tile-laying game. Now, is it Bloom, or is it Bloomer? Oh, well, it's an, by an American person. There's no accent on the E, so I don't know. Well, no, because in German, Blumen is flowers. Oh, that's interesting. And it's B L U M E as yeah. opposed to B L O M. So it might be Bloomer. It's a game about collecting flowers and selling them at the market. Players plant and prune all while determining the value of each type of flower they'll sell. Whoever makes the most on their sales wins the game. So you plant your flowers on this lovely uh, grid that looks like a garden. Uh, you prune your garden to clear the way for new flowers. Uh, there's a marketplace board with all the different types of flowers on where you can influence the pricing. And yeah, you just have to uh, make the most money. Mm -hmm. uh, it has a few Kickstarter exclusives. A uh, custom art bag, which looks very nice. Mm -hmm. It's got the art at the front of the, the game. Uh, and uh, some spotful printed cards as well. And the three little mini expansion with some tools. The one you can see is a hand spade. Or as I would call it, a trowel. Yeah, a trowel. Let's see what we've got. They've unlocked quite a few stretch goals, upgraded pegs, um, solo variant, some UV upgrades, an upgraded box insert. So yeah, that's looking good. Um, I like the idea of uh, those. I have uh, some friends who are very outdoorsy. I think they would like this. So yeah, that is, as we now know, Bloom. Mm. Okay, my last one is a digital game called Calico, uh, Magical Girls Running Cat Cafes. Oh, yes. I saw this. Yes. Um, I'm, it ends on the 1st of May. It's already funded. Um, if you wanted to get a digital copy, you just have to pay 13 US dollars. If you want beta and alpha access with Discord, $20. And basically, the idea is you are... Uh, oh, they've also reached the stretch goal to enable a, a character creator. Um, anyway, Calico is a day-in-the-life community sim game where you are given an important and adorable task. Rebuild the town's cat cafe and fill it with cute and cuddly creatures. Um, you can build it up by filling it with cute furniture, fun decorations, yummy pastries, and get it bustling with animals again. It's going to be released on M PC and Mac, including Steam, Xbox One, Switch, and PlayStation 4. 
unlike its inspirations such as Harvest Moon and Animal Crossing, there are no negative consequences. Animals will not die, the shop will not close, and the crops will not rot. You are free to explore the joy of a heavily stylized world of cuddly critters. It's meant to make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, so you can explore to find cats and other animals, including raccoons, deer, dogs, turtles, red pandas, foxes, and many more cuties. So you wander around the world and you encounter animals. Uh, once they, once you've managed to befriend them, you can name them, add them to your party, send them to their new home at the cafe. They will follow you around and listen to your commands, and the cafe, uh, animals in the cafe will relax and play with customers. Um, you get to interact with all the animals. You get to play with them. Um, the AI is going to include happiness, trust, and energy levels. Levels how how active, lazy, or hungry they are. How close they like to be. Do they like to be picked up? Because not all cats like to be picked up. No. Um, do they have any friends in the other animals around you? Do they listen to you when you give them commands? What is their favourite toy? Um, and if you back at the Your Pet in the Game Kickstarter tiers, we will ask you to describe your pet's personality and quirks so that the in-game version will properly capture their spirit. So Calico takes place on a star-shaped island with six different environmental areas. In the middle is a heart-shaped town where your cafe resides. For those of you who are unaware, a cat cafe is a cafe that includes cats that can be watched and played with. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, it looks fairly simple and silly and basic, but cats. And it's kind of a sort of taken inspiration, very obviously, from sort of anime and manga type art, which isn't necessarily always of interest to me but cats yeah it's basically it okay so yeah for 13 13 us dollars you can get a copy of calico and that ends on the 1st of may it's also my dad's birthday i won't be getting him that way no my last one this month is an expansion to a game that I own. Mm -hmm. And it is Plague Inc. the Armageddon expansion. Mm. Plague Inc. the game I like to recall Reverse Pandemic, where you are yep. playing viruses trying to be as lethal and kill as many people. Which I can. still haven't played the board game version. Have you not? No, I've played the digital version. Yeah. I'll have to uh, bring it around and I'll have to play it. So the expansion adds new disease types. Mm. So, uh, first thing is it adds a new fungus disease. Ooh, yeah. which is all about ability and spreading quicker. Uh, and you've also got a new bioweapon disease, which is focused on lethality. Mm. I remember those from the digital yeah. version. Uh, genetic modification game mechanic. During the game, players can spend DNA to get unique genes, which pair radical tactics and specialise evolution. Paying too much for a gene or letting an opponent get it for too little can be the difference between domination and extinction. Tomorrow's World Country Cards. New country cards reflect a changing world in the game and mean countries might not quite be as you remember them. Isolationist USA has no transport links. Brexit Britain isn't in Europe. Ooh. And you can probably guess what happens to global warming Greenland. Hmm. Huh. Okay. New event cards and trade cards. Loads of new cards can be added to the existing decks, increasing variety and giving you new ways to interact with and mess with your friends. 
uh, and it now supports uh, an extra player. The game now officially supports one to five players, or six if you've got the previous fifth player expansion from the last Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. $25 for the expansion. Uh, oh, hang on. So $25 for the game in the standard box, $60 for the Enthusiast Pledge, which is a premium and black metallic gold box for the expansion. Uh, $55 is the standard expansion with the original game. So $60 for the... uh, So you get not only the Collector's Edition box, but you get a Pandemic Survival Kit, which contains gloves and a face mask. Uh, metallic gold jeans upgrades, metallic gold super DNA. So they've got the components all upgraded. A A3 Armageddon poster and uh, little slide out storage boxes for the play tokens. So that's quite nice. Oh. It's a British campaign because they're in Bristol, but it's all in dollars. So they wanted $18,000 and they've currently got $84,000. Okay. So they smashed it. Uh, and that ends on the 13th of May. So there's still plenty of time left on that one. Mm. So if you don't have Plague Inc. yet and you, you, you want to jump in and get that and the expansion, you can do. But if you've already got it, then you can just uh, get the expansion. Yeah. So uh, that's all of our ones to watch, I think, this month. Yeah, which I think brings us to our, to our usual end. Reg- regular feature, featured outro. Yeah, and I just went to put my, my iPad away and then realised that I actually know it off the top of my head, so I'm going to have to get it back up so I can read it. Yeah, mine's, well, I've got 5% battery left, so we'll... Uh, 17%. Ooh. Okay. How so can people find us on social media? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Matt. Uh, they can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook um, with either at or forward slash TOGCAST, T-O-G-CAST. How can they listen to us? Oh, well. Uh, Aside can... from already listening to us. Yes. And you can go to soundcloud.com slash offline gamer or just search for us on iTunes uh, or another podcast platform and I'm sure we'll be on there. Where else can people go to find all of our stuff, right? We do have a YouTube. Mm. However, the best way to get to our YouTube content is to go to www.offlinegamer.co.uk for all of our videos, as well as links to everything that we've just mentioned. Oh. And if people want to contact us, Matthew? They can email us at offlinegamerpodcast at gmail.com or go to the aforementioned website and fill in the contact form. Lovely. So that's it then? Yep. Hit, hit subscribe, like, follow. Yeah, do all that stuff. At, fact, at us. I've added, some, I've added on our, on our, on our um, YouTube videos, I've now added, you know, at the end where people have that thing... Yeah. I just have, used to have a screen that says thanks for watching here's a link to all of our websites but now I've added in an end card so it links to our previous video and then they can click subscribe from in the video itself Ooh, very fancy very fancy so our next episode will presumably be a UKG preview episode indeed so thanks for listening everyone thanks very much we'll see you then bye